Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. And up next, we discuss dealing with the holidays and a helpful approach. And after that, World of Running updates about Abu Dhabi, a master's miracle, and Strava. Glad to have you with us again, and happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we hope that this is a refreshing and rejuvenating time, despite what for many of us is a very busy chaos, hectic time. <laughs> so may it be both for you, if it has to be the one at least. And with that, remember that we are doing our end of month Q&A episode still next week, and it'll be a nice respite for you from the craziness to listen to our voices on cue at the beginning of the week next week. And so in order to do that and get the most out of it, you should share a question by going to adzrunning.com slash question. Ask us anything about running, training, the stuff you're up to and or related to that stuff and we'll answer it. And we may even answer it in a helpful way. Mm -hmm. And speaking of which, one of our previous question askers Sent us an email, and it was really great to hear from him because he listened to that episode with Dr. Todd about Cadence, mm -hmm. and he said, your podcast felt so freeing. After listening to that conversation, I don't feel like I need to focus so much on Cadence for the sake of reaching some magical number. Instead, I'll continue to focus on form so that I run more efficiently. And I appreciated that because he talked about his history with injury and how there was a cadence number assigned to try to chase and he felt like even though he improved and his form was getting better that it was frustrating because it was always just like not exactly the right 180 cadence and so this conversation helped him realize that the focus should be on efficiency rather than hitting that number. Well, and if you recall, if you listened to the episode, Todd referenced that exact fallacy in the conversation that we have this sense of you have to run 180 steps per minute. And that came from some research, which was valid in terms of the context of the research, but was uh, is, is often taken uh, much too strictly. And so well, it was in racing. They did was in the research Olympic with level racing, racing. Not, you know, not your everyday running. But yeah. all of that to say, we appreciate hearing how the podcast episodes are timely for you or there's contemplations that you're having in regards to it. And we love to hear that, too. So mm. send us your questions. Send us your thoughts. We love connecting with you. Yeah, you heard it from Bill. Our voices are liberating. <laughs> now. <laughs> If you are thinking about spring races right now and you're going to be in the West Michigan area in late April, you should be running Rivertown races. They've got a 5K, 10K, and half marathon. And whether that's your goal race for the season or just fits nicely in your program on the cycle, it's a great race and a great event. And since we are partnering with the event to provide the training for it, you can, in fact, work directly with our training in that avenue as well. And remember, anyone who registers for Rivertown races gets a discount on a custom training plan, if desired, in addition to if you'd like to just take advantage of the generic training plan that is provided as well. Mm -hmm. So with that, you've got lots of good things to be thinking about right now, and we feel it's necessary to give you even more. So let's get on to the main topic. For our topic, 
topic today, we're actually kind of continuing some of the reflection in last week's episode. If you did not listen to the self-discipline episode, you should do so. Some great advice, if you recall from Peter Hollins, priority number one in terms of trying to become more productive is to schedule our attention. And we feel that is a thoroughly compelling and convicting (laughs) recommendation from Dr. Hollins. But as it goes, we also have been thinking a lot about, well, this moment in time, as is true with all moments in time, is unique. And we have to apply some of these concepts uniquely as a consequence. So we're thinking about the holidays and the busyness. And that may look very differently for you than it does for us or someone else. But um, for almost all of us, it's a different time than other parts of the year. And so how do we go about addressing that difference and what kinds of things are, in fact, different about it. Right. We want to try to circle that a little bit here mm-hmm. in Reflections, as well as some really interesting, if you notice the title, it was a little clickbaity for this episode that was on purpose, the Eat That Frog Approach. If you've never heard of that, stick around. We're going to explain It's it. relevant. It's relevant, and it's kind of funny. And it comes from Mark Twain, which just makes it that much better. All right, so let's get started first. We just want to reflect a little bit on what are the things that are different or tend to be different in a period of time like this where you have different schedules where you have different uh social demands where you have different even potentially resources or the resources that are that are available to you might be different and so in these ways it might be something like you know so your schedules are likely different to some degree if you have kids in school for instance because they're going to have breaks from school around this time (laughs) and and some of them it's two weeks some of them it's not as much anymore which has benefits and costs depending on how you're looking at it. But your schedule may be different now than usual. Mm-hmm. So that's one consideration and comes with some unique challenges. And your priorities because of that. For your time. For your time. Yeah, yeah. Because during the holidays, if you're spending more time with family, you want to prioritize that special time that you have with the person from out of town or, or your kids, as you just said. Well, that's the next one. Social demands are different. Drain something like this. So if you have family who are traveling out of town or in town, if you have friends who are traveling to see some of their family, but it's like, well, now that they're in town, we don't get to see each other a lot. So like it tends to be the case as we're talking with runners that um, everyone's asking us about the same question right now, just with different nuances. And the question is, I have these differences in demands on me and priorities. And what do I do about it? And it's usually related to people. Um, but also like, you know, your work schedule might even be different. You might have time off that you don't normally have time off, but you also might have more work than you normally, you might be working a lot of overtime or a lot of, um, extra days or something like that. Yeah. We, we've spoken with, uh, some of you who, for instance, drive or work in delivery companies. Mm -hmm. You're very busy right now. Mm -hmm. You're very busy. So retail. Yeah, retail. Yeah, many things. So all of those are potential. But then you have the added concern of a lot of our resources for uh, active stuff are different as well. So if you use like a gym, the hours are a little different around holidays usually. Um, also, and and included in that, you may have other things you need like childcare related things that are resources that can be helpful but are not available in the same way during holidays or may not be. So. With all of those considerations, the challenge is clear, Um, and that is simply that my routine is not the same right now for some reason or another influenced by these or many other things. And so what what then does it look like to still be disciplined as 
Peter Hollins recommended to still schedule my time and attention appropriately. And why is this important? Well, it's not just for the training. It's for the whole thriving mentality that we discuss here because you know, you're able to maintain some of your fitness if like a couple days are lost here and there, whatever. But really, how are you going to get through the holidays without feeling like junk, snapping at your kids because you didn't get your run in? I mean, there's a lot of reasons to discuss this beyond your goals in running. This is true. But we don't care about any of those reasons except for running. <laughs> I'm kidding. Zach. So all of that to be the case because of that. In fact, because of the myriad reasons as well as myriad priorities, it becomes that much more important to think about trying to schedule my time and attention because I know that there are more important things and they will take precedent. So if there's opportunity and time, I need to look for it more carefully. That might be one way to think about it. Um, so we talked about agility last week and the need, yeah. the need to be agile and adapt well to a circumstance. Um, and that's kind of just that that's going to be a huge piece of the puzzle in a time like this. And so let's keep that in mind. But then as we do, um, one of the th reminders at all times with something like this is that if we don't have a plan, the less routine something is, the less likely we are to do the thing we want to do. And so it's one of those where it's like, oh, I don't need to plan when to run because I don't have to work tomorrow. The kids are off school. We're all just going to kind of have a nice relaxing day, right? No, <laughs> because if we don't plan, we are even less likely to do things when we're out of routine. It's one of those crazy things about productivity, right? So if I want to get something done, I have to plan to some extent or I get nothing done. It's kind of like the first concern with some of those things. Um, now, that being the case, it is especially true then uh, that we need to anticipate the need to adjust that plan because it's so unstructured or different in nature, the routine. So I need to schedule it. I need to plan it. But I need to be even more prepared to handle the scenario when it doesn't go according to plan. And I want to speak to all the other anxious people out there. If you do have a plan and you have already articulated that to the people, the significant people that you're going to be spending time with on that day, you know, your family, if I'm communicating with Zach when I'm going to go for a run, there's less anxiety if you already kind of know what the day is going to look like. It's also so, easier for someone else to say, oh, there's actually something else that we need, <laughs> you know, because they know that you're planning to do that. Otherwise, it's one of those things where it's like I'm putting my shoes on and I'm about to head out the door and someone says, uh, we have to be at your mom's house in an hour. I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> well, I didn't. I know that well because I wasn't listening or reading the texts. I've, I think we've o we've only said this like a hundred times in the show, but communication is key, and to eliminate yeah. holiday frustration, it is really great. Because think about it. Okay, maybe I am not willing to get up before a certain time in the morning because I'm going to spend time with family late at night the day before, and I do know I need to get to mom's house the next day then I already know that I only have 45 minutes instead of an hour and I can lace up my shoes and feel good about that. But if I get up and I don't really know exactly what the schedule is and I'm expecting to get an hour and I don't want to be flexible, I don't want to be agile. And then we end up in a fight because I'm like, hey, I, you know, hey, I'm planning to do this. I got to get this done. You're actually talking so, about me right now, not, not about you. Well, that is usually the way it goes, but you're right. It's usually My strategy is actually <laughs> flawless because what I do then is I simply wait until no one's paying attention and then I quick put on my shoes and head out the door 
And then when I get back, then they can, you know, complain at me, but I've already got the run done, so I don't care anymore. Right? That is not a healthy way to All go right. about these things. But that I just wanted to add that note in that it can really help with a lot of your hmm your joy during the holidays if you're not bickering about the schedule of your running with you, the people that you love. Or at least it's going to help with their joy. <laughs> Depends on how concerned you are with whether people are mad at you. I'm kidding. I'm mm. kidding. All right. Now it's time to eat the frog. So the, the approach, let, let me give you the background first. Um, this is now, the, this is the piece of advice about how to accomplish this best in terms of what we're trying to frame here. Uh, and it comes originally from, apparently, from a Mark Twain quote, which I did not know this before reading on this. I stumbled upon it, in fact, as we were preparing our reflection for this episode. And um, the Mark Twain quote goes as such, eat a live frog first thing in the morning and nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. Now, of course, I wish that were true because hmm. there are worse things than eating a live frog. I'm just really curious where you're going with this. Mark Twain is excellent, is he not? He's just He's so good. He, he comes from literature. He, that's what he studied in school. And, uh, you know, read. And it's fun. But the funny thing here is that Brian Tracy, author of Eat That Frog, 21 Great Ways to Stop Procrastinating and Get More Done in Less Time, took Mark Twain's quote and wrote a book about it, essentially, as compelling. a productivity method. So that's why I just find I, the background is hilarious to me. So Brian Tracy's book essentially is based on the premise uh, that Mark Twain set forth, which is if you do the difficult thing uh, first, then one, you're more likely to get it done. But two, it actually gets other, it helps you get other things done. And he's got a whole approach, 21 steps hmm. um, or ways, I guess. Some of them are rules, some of them are steps. But the idea here is that the frog is like the important thing that also might be difficult. Um, but the, the problem is, as some authors put it, as they were reflecting on this approach, is they said it makes it sound like you have to do the most unpleasant thing first in the day because you know you're eating a frog and that's that's gross <laughs> for most of us. It could uh, give you a stomach ache. The well, rest of yeah. The day. So Mark Twain said it has to be a live frog. That it's especially clear that it must be unpleasant. Now the rule, however, in Brian Tracy's book is not that it's an unpleasant thing. It's actually just that it's the most important thing, and it's the most important thing that is difficult to do when that's fitting. That's not always the case. It's just got to be important, and so. The authors actually said, and these are authors that are not related to our sport in any clear way by their own admission, but um, they said maybe that it would make more sense if we just renamed the approach the go for that run approach. Huh. And I'm like, ah, well. Interesting. I completely agree with you. So we're going to call it the go for that run approach because what they're suggesting here is quite simple. What, what Brian Tracy says in the book and what Mark Twain's point was is that if you do that thing first thing in the day um, – then it sets the tone and, and it gets it done. And so if you wait till later in the day, then there's a whole number of reasons why it may not happen, but also it's less pleasant for it to happen later in the day. And the anticipation of it can be a negative anticipation as well. Like I've got this thing I got to do and I've just been thinking about it and it's going to take me an hour and a half and I don't know if I have that time. And mm. now a, a kid is demanding something of me and I that's going to take a while. You know, so like all the things, right? So... That's the first and I think kind of the most important thing is we've spoken with runners over the years um, and we start talking about it's really hard for me to find time for the run. And uh, whenever that's the case and the person is not running in the morning, our first suggestion is can you change your schedule to run in the morning? Because it's clearly not working other times a day. And 
you know, in, in for most of us, it's not true for everyone, but for most of us, it's always going to be harder when we try to run later in the day. And your frog might not be running. Your frog might be getting in your PT. And this is where, <laughs> so yes. You do it first so thing in the morning. this is where the reflection right now is now the agility is essential because if we know that the frog, we got to eat it first thing in the morning or we may never eat it during the day, then you have to look at that day and say, well, what thing is the most important thing that has to happen today? Maybe it's baking that thing that I got to take to that person's house later, right? So I have to do that first because the thing I do first is the thing that is most likely to get done that day, right? In fact, it's the only guarantee. The first thing I do is the only thing that I'm guaranteed to get done today uh, once I've done it. <laughs> so there's no guarantees, I guess. But the, the point remains. Um, and this is where the the scheduling my time is is incredibly important because now I look at the day and I say, okay, I know the first thing that I have to do is run today. And in order to have that run done by the time we have to do this other thing, this is what time I have to do it. Um, and so it creates clarity, but it also is so much smoother later in the day than if I just try to play it by ear. Hmm. So that's our like our essential our anchor suggestion. Um, now, I will I will say you, you start to kind of consider other reasons why this. So they look at things like uh, Daniel Pink's book, When, which is a great read. If you want to just read about like the science of timing and time of day and some of those things, you've heard us reference his work a lot. So uh, maybe, maybe we don't always quote it. But like when we start talking about new beginnings, um, the reason why the New Year's resolution is, in fact, so powerful for behavior change, it's also – terrible for long-term behavior change which is a different conversation maybe we should have that one actually after the new year um but the point point being new beginnings as daniel pink writes are the most valuable time to do a new thing so look for a natural new beginning the first day of the week the first day of the month the first day of the year um a day after a break all that kind of stuff well anyway that's not really the point we're trying to make right now the point right now is daniel pink writes about when in times of day we do certain things best um he even actually gets into physical exercise. And one of the things he notes is that um, when it comes to performance and performing at our peak, it is true for almost all humans that we are at our peak physiological potential in the afternoon. Did you know that? You've told me that before. Yes, I know. Um, so <laughs> that's interesting, right? Because all of our races are always in the morning for, I mean, for like road races and such. Um, and yet it's true in general. Now that changes depending on the, the so longer the event is, the less that's true. So marathoning, in fact, it's probably more likely that we actually- Because you're like conform. doing it for hours. Well, yes. And so <laughs> you, you, your physiological uh, peak, can at, you reach it during the race. You don't want to be at your physiological peak the moment you start the race in a marathon because you're not trying to run at your best potential in that moment, right? Anyway- that's not the point we're trying to make yeah, right now either. What is the point, Zach? So, um, well, let me just say, because the other thing that he notes is that in the morning is actually before noon is when you build strength the best. And so as a consequence, there's actually a physiological rationale for why it's better to run in the morning than in the afternoon or evening. That's something to consider here. So we're not just saying that for your life and schedule, it may in fact be better for you in terms of building fitness. Um, there are a lot of nuances to that. Well, people who know me know that I don't typically run in the morning. It's true. So um, what do you have to say about that? 
You should <laughs> if you want to be better. <laughs> well, then you won't be able right, to because so we have children. Um, but I did want to make. The point is that we that's not true for every single person though, and that's this is where the question comes up right now. So we're suggesting that if you want to get something done, the most the best time to do it would be first thing in the day. But you also have to be aware of your own ebb and flow in day timing. So Daniel Pink writes that we are tend to be almost all of us the most productive in the first few hours of the day after we wake up. Um, and if we're not morning people, we need an hour first to wake up and then <laughs> it's the first few hours. Um, but also we have ebbs and flows in energy. So productivity is not always related to energy. Sometimes it's focus. Um, also when are we most available? And so when are those times of day when we have the, the greatest lulls in other things going on? So that's going to be different day to day. Um, and then just thinking about like, you know, if I have certain things that I have to do, my priorities, when are, is it best to do them? And that's where we take Peter Holland's advice and try to schedule our time and attention well enough that things are most likely to happen, but hold it loosely enough because there's no way that things are going to go according to plan every day, especially during an uncharacteristically chaotic time. Yeah, I mean, I think that there can be ideals like, you know, you're saying that the morning might be the better time to run. But when you're meeting people or you have things that are going, you can be just as energized by that and you're still getting good work in. So I don't want people to come away thinking like, OK, if I'm not a morning runner, I am not I'm not getting hitting the ideal um, but that because it could be the ideal for you, like Zach was saying, not every person is the same, but also for your consistency and for thriving. So for me, it's better to find a time where I can be social and run at different times of day than it is for me to get her done every single morning bef and eat that frog before I start my day. No, however, you do at times do that exact thing. though. So you look at the day and you say, this is when I got to do it and or this is when another friend needs to do it and I'm going to run with that person really early in the morning. And so it's it's again a question of looking at my day and, and addressing all of these factors and then making the best choices based on them. Mm -hmm. I do want to note because I think that it's the case for most of you parents out there that your kids are probably going to get up super early on Christmas morning. So it's going to be hard to get the run in super early. I think a great time, this is just, I'm putting this out there, it might be helpful to you. Once they've opened some of those gifts, so some of them are toys, it might be a good time to slip off for a run when they're really enthralled with their new things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could be, could be, so. Indeed, it could be, especially if it's like something like you have a treadmill somewhere and then you can just jump on it because, you know, someone's going to need you. And Anyway, or maybe it's better to not be on the treadmill because someone's going to think they need you when they don't. Well, that's good. That's a good suggestion. And that and that's where we try to basically build from these thoughts, build the most likely, you know, the suggestion that helps balance the best. Um, and that's essentially if, if we have kind of like three steps, these are these are things that we uh, regularly suggest in many contexts. But what it comes back to is first you do schedule it and you, and you do try to build a routine. And so when you have a period of time that's not routine, you have to be more deliberate about scheduling it. Um, and then just take that, you know, take that frog advice. And the first thing is always the most likely to happen that day. And so if, you know, if the running is the, the key priority for the time, then I try to do that first thing. If I've got a busy day ahead of me and who knows where I'm going to go, that's one way to approach it. And then the second key takeaway here is, as Andy likes to say, but then you got to tell everyone. <laughs> don't 
don't schedule it and then just assume it's going to work out if no one knows <laughs> because expectation is so important. And so, yes, despite Zach always making jokes about it, um, it is necessary to communicate. And if you're like Zach and you don't communicate well by instinct, <laughs> naturally, um, it's even more important during these types of times. Mm-hmm. Andy agrees. I agree. And then the third thing is, with all that work we've done (laughs) trying to schedule our time, is assume the need to adjust and adapt um, and and be ready to just roll with it. Because part of the challenge here is always that we hold so tightly to the schedule um, that it frustrates us when we have to change. And that by itself is once again a problem. It's almost always, for the two of us, a point of conflict. When someone says, ah, you can't run at that time, you need to find another time, then it turns into a fight. Well, why is it a fight? Uh, simply because that's what I wanted to do, and I can't do it. And when I don't get what I want, I throw a fit. <laughs> oh, oh so she funny. didn't She didn't deny that, so it, no. I, it actually um, might be true. <laughs> it's not, it's not, like, you know. She for, still didn't deny <laughs> it. No, because it's a different kind of fit. It's like a pout. Uh, um, yeah. And there's dangers in overdoing it, too, during the holidays. And if you are just like, I must do my schedule no matter how I feel. I must run that workout even if I feel terrible. Hmm. Then there might be problems in that regard as well. I think there are some of us who tend to burn the candle at both ends. And adjusting could be just what you need for your training and actually for getting better as a runner. So listening to your body's needs and doing an honest evaluation just helps us be more agile in the best ways possible. Mm. And this is a side note. It can be tricky to evaluate what we truly need at times. At least it is for me. So I'm speaking from my own personal experience that sometimes my social, mental, and emotional fatigue feels like bodily fatigue. And I feel too tired to run. But in reality, when I run, I feel rejuvenated. It makes me feel better because it's a different kind of fatigue. Hmm. So it's just not, I'm just not reading my body quite right. But if I think about it, I'm like, okay, why am I feeling so exhausted like this? And if I can pinpoint the reason why, and during the holidays, it makes it a little bit more obvious, I just might need a quiet run or I might need to just get outside after being inside mingling with people all day. Hmm. Yeah, you you need to know yourself with that particularly. We, we've talked with many runners who uh, fall in a similar category as Andy where um, they feel like if, if they just make the choice to just try to do it, that it helps them feel better. Um, and then we've talked with others who, you know, I, I just try to do it and, and I just can't get through it. And I'm like, you know, walking every couple minutes and I'm just really struggling and overwhelmed by the, the fact of I'm trying to take this time to do this and, you know, other things are on my mind. And so one of the things we're always doing as we're talking with runners in a specific situation like this is trying to ask the questions about, you know, what are the things that help? What are the ways I'm using my time that contribute positively and, Running can often be a multifaceted way to do that. So for some of us, it's like, you know, time to disconnect a bit is helpful, um, helps me recharge a bit. Or it's like if I do that with some other people, then I can get some family or friend time in at the same time, which Andy often suggests. Yes, I suggest Um, that. But it also can be other layers of things, too, where it's like, you know, I have something I need to try to deal with and process. And so if I can go for a quick run, then it gives me a chance to, like, 
think it through and then be able to address that more readily after the fact and and if you're typically a pretty active person and you do have a day off or a day that you don't have as much because it's the holiday, I do think it's really kind of nice to get out for like a little walk with a family member. And I'm pretty sure if they're they're able, there is going to be somebody who might go for a walk with you, a, a cousin, a grandpa, a mom or dad. It's possible that someone would want to go for a little walk. If you're used to being mobile and you're sitting all day mm. long at these parties and things, it might be helpful just for your, your mobility and blood flow just, just to get out a little bit. Indeed that. Mm-hmm. So now that you are prepared to have the best possible experience through these holidays or really any period of time that is an atypical structure of schedule for you. Um, I'm thinking about like vacations. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of scenarios. So we've equipped you with the capacity now to effectively eat the frog. Eat that frog. Preferably a live one if you're taking Mark Twain's advice seriously. Or so, at least prepare the frog so that you're certain you'll eat it later. I mean, but if you cook it, it's not live anymore. I am trying to take this analogy to the full extent we've ruined of the situation. We've ruined the metaphor. <laughs> Whatever the way is that you ruin metaphors, we've done it. No, you're saying I did because I'm the no, one who I went said there. We. Okay, so mm-hmm. keep in mind then, above all these things, that to thrive as a runner means to apply these principles uniquely to my own individual situation. And if you're having a difficult time of that, or if you just feel it could be helpful to get additional opinions or insights or not insights, but just commentary, <laughs> then feel free to ask us. And that that could be a way we could include that kind of a question, in fact, on next week's Q&A episode. So mm. if you're listening to this before the following week's episode comes out, ask away. Go to adzrunning.com slash question. Mm-hmm. Now on to the world of running. few interesting things to cover in the world of running here, despite the fact that this tends to be a lull, and we know that. Um, and as a consequence, we get to kind of like find some more precise, yeah. interesting, unique situations. There's some to good stuff share. this there week, actually. There always is something. There's always yeah. something. So let's start it off with the Abu Dhabi Marathon. Not only is it fun to say, but there's also <laughs> some very fun news to go along with it. We love this kind of story, and it's not the first time that we've been able to report this, but the pacemaker was the winner of the race. Timothy Kiplagat Rono of Kenya kept running after his pacemaking duties to complete an impressive win of 2.05.20, which was more than four minutes ahead of the next guy. Wait a second. So was he at least still pacing the race? at least for most of the time I on the pace that they told him to? I couldn't find the details exactly. Or did they call him a pacemaker and he just went out in front and said, oh, hang on if you can. <laughs> Keep up if you want to. I think Four based minutes. on the couple sentences, so this isn't really great information to glean from, but it kind of <laughs> seemed like he was planning to finish the race. But okay. maybe maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. I don't know. It seemed it like will. it. It will be the case. And a lot of times marathon, uh, marathon pacing, um, is is often just that, where you have a runner who's just willing to lead the race at a given pace, and their plan is, in fact, to run mm. the whole race mm-hmm. um, because their hope would be, I want to try to actually run that mm-hmm. time. And it might be a way for someone who might not get an appearance fee to get a substantial amount just for towing the line. 
true. Although we don't know if it actually truly is substantial, but at the yeah, very I, least, I don't know. all pacers at major types of events are paid. Um, and so as a consequence, it is, yes, exactly that. It's a way to be able to compete in the event if you don't necessarily qualify in the A list for that event too. Yeah, we, and we don't Although know in this he, case he does. But yeah, yeah. we don't know the situation here. Exactly. It's cool. We love stories of tenacity too. And on the women's side, we had one of those. Keep showing up is a lot of our... A lot of runners' favorite quotes, or one of our favorite quotes. It's by Des. I mean, Linden. you and Aaron for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Aaron, and that's fitting for this women's marathon winner. Eunice Chumba ran the Abu Dhabi marathon, placing second twice and fourth once, and she was the winner of this event. Ah, is this her fourth time doing it? Then? I don't is know if she's done it more than more that, but at least four times. But at least yeah, fourth. So te- second twice, fourth once. And she pulled off the victory. Yep. Chamba is from Bahrain, and she is the national record holder for her country. And she set that last April, so April of 2022, with a time of 2.2002. And her time at the Abu Dhabi Marathon was just shy um, of that time in 2.2041. Nice. Yeah. But that's excellent. Yeah. Always fun stories. Well, speaking of fun stories, this one's actually of personal interest to me, um, this next one here, because... This runner is one of those who has been a career-long inspiration to me, and I'll explain why in a little bit. Um, So we're talking about now a scenario where you have a master's runner who is also the overall winner of the race, which is always inspiring. So at 41 years of age, Sergio Reyes won the men's half marathon in San Diego, the holiday half, in 102.29, which we believe is also a personal best for Reyes. And I looked, I scoured the internet. And, scoured uh, Yes. I really studied his world athletics profile. <laughs> These days, scouring the internet is defined as typing things into Google lots of times. So we're pretty confident, at least in that that is likely a PR. Um, and he's and he's he's had a, a good career of it. Right. So this is one who Reyes has been at it, I mean, since he ran collegiately and kind of like a small division school. Um which at the time was in our division, and we competed against their school. He's he's old old enough, older than us, that we never ran against him, but only missed him by like a year, I think. So Reyes ran uh, well collegiately and then continued to improve out of college to the point where he ended up qualifying for the World Half Marathon Championships to represent Team USA. Marathon Championships. And there's the Half Marathon. Uh, I looked on World Athletics, and it clearly says he was in the World Marathon Championships. Okay. So maybe he did both. In 2011, he ran in the World Championships. Um, yeah, I, I, it could be both then. And also has placed top 10 in a majors in Chicago and top 20 in Boston. Um, so some excellent finishes at really high levels. Mm-hmm. And all of that is kind of scattered across a large period of time, too, which is another thing that's really inspiring because it wasn't like he had a couple of good years and then it's just been reasonable yeah, i mean he's just he's been able to do great things for years and years mm-hmm. so enter my personal connection here it was early in my post-college running life when my coach at the time q shout out to q uh when q mentioned this guy sergio reyes and he's like have you ever heard of this guy and he's like well apparently he's he's like a 215 marathoner at the time uh, I believe his PR is 2.15 and change. No, it's no, 2.13. 213 yeah. Mm-hmm. He's run 2.13. But at the time when we were talking about it, it was 2.15 and change. And so he's like, you know, have you heard of this guy? He's got like four kids, works full time, has like no time in life because he apparently like 
works like crazy hours, like 60 or 80 hours a week or Whoa. something at the time. And I, I don't know how Q knows this, but Q knows everything. So, you know, who knows? But the point is, is here's Reyes life. And he also runs 120 miles a week. And so th- this is what we're looking at. And he's like, the, the point here is it's possible. The question is how, how can we look at my life and what, what capacity I have and try to find a way to make this happen. Reminds me of Martin Hare. Indeed it does. <laughs> if you didn't listen to that episode with Marty Hare, no wasted minutes or moments or whatever it was. Um, you got to go back and listen to that. It was, it was a couple years ago. And so Mar- uh, Marty Hare, the same situation where it's just super busy life. The point here that Q's raising as we're reflecting on this is that Sergio Reyes has no like major shoe sponsor. He has no like major club team that's supporting him. He's just on his own doing this thing and doing it at a very high level for a long period of time. And that to me is just like a story of it can be done and it's worth, you know, it's, it's worth pursuing it. I would like to note too, that if it was a record or not record legals, if it was a Olympic trials qualifying legal course that he would have hit that time. Now, Granted, there is a net downhill. There was like it's a downhill s- yeah. half marathon course. Six, it was. I mean, six hundred feet net is not that much. Right, half, but. but there have been rumblings. Uh, if this qualifies him for the Olympic trials marathon, it does not. The window for the half marathon qualification does not start until January first, anyway. Of so of twenty twenty three. But with his obvious fitness that he has gained right now and then you know having more opportunity if he runs a marathon he'll hit he'll the run, time yeah he'll run so, the time in the marathon in the it, marathon it's yeah. highly unlikely that he won't clearly he's likely trying to um and he's he's been running under 218 for recent years you and know, he looks bit. to be in the best shape of his life right. actually i right. mean according to this half marathon yeah so yeah. it's exciting. So, uh, you know, that, that's exactly it. At 41 years of age, Reyes is still running, you know, what equiv- equi- equivocates to the, about the best of his life. And um, and that's just it's great to see. It is uplifting all mm-hmm. our spirits. Mm-hmm. Well, th- speaking of interesting things to but see. Some, but things that don't always uplift Zach's spirits. <laughs> don't always uplift spirits. <laughs> Strava. Um, so it's our, a love. It, well, we use it and it's a tool for us. But there's some interesting things that we've gathered now. Some information. Yeah, I mean, as it goes, um, Strava does a like year in sport report, which uh, so these kinds of things you always have to take them with a grain of salt because like Spotify does this where it's like the year in review. Which thank you by the way, I guess those of you who listen on Spotify, we are like the top sports podcast, one of the top sports. Not podcasts. worth commenting on because Spotify. I don't who listens. I don't know to how podcasts on Spotify. A lot. Well, some of our listeners <laughs> some, do. Some of don't, you do. It's yeah. true. Um, <laughs> Well, anyway, the point is, the, so all of these, all of these uh, services and systems, you know, Netflix does it too. They like to do this thing where it's like, here is what people do uh, in the last year based off of our data. But of course, their data only comes from people who use their system. So it's only or give the information. It, and and what they like to do is they like to say this represents this large. So like if you take a polling sample size, right? You can say, all right, two thousand people is a good sample size for two million people, uh, percentage wise. And that may or may not be true, but the point is, is that that could be true if it's representative of the public at large. But when you sample only people who use a certain system or service, you're not sampling the public at large because their behaviors are linked to the reason they're using the service. Okay, so we'll get Strava's to the interesting data facts, is not representative <laughs> of the running community on the whole. I okay. do not at all believe that. Okay, now, so disclaimer is yes. done. Now we're going to get to the fun facts. It's an important disclaimer. It, okay, it's, yes, it is. Well, uh, part of the reason why I wanted to cover this is because Canadian Running Magazine uh, 
shared it specifically because it like uh, highlights some Canadian areas of running that are just really fun and inspiring for them. So it's like, you know, uh, the number one place that U.S. runners travel to run outside of the U.S. is Canada. Well, that's not terribly surprising because it's very close compared to many other countries in the world. Um, But also Canada has a lot of great trails for those who like mountain biking and hiking and they didn't differentiate running biking hiking so as a consequence they actually don't know if if it's really truly runners or if it's just people being active which is good too so here's the point um lots of fun data and we just like to see these kinds of things and think about you know what's trending in that sense too so in the last year in 2022 um one of the most interesting ones was marathoning increased double on average from 2021 so the number of people doing marathons. Wow. Which that's pretty interesting. Tell us if you ran your first marathon in 2022. We'd like to hear. Yeah. If you're one would. of the one of those pieces of the statistic. Right on. <laughs> yep. So lots of people running marathons in 2022 who didn't in 2021 um, or running more of them who didn't do as many. So it, here's where they broke it down by country, which I just found really interesting. So apparently in the United States, it was two times more. Double. Which is so that's the average. Uh, U.S. was holding average. Uh, Brazil as well, by the way, was two times. Um, but then in France, it's three times more. Wow. So apparently a lot of French people. fit in France. A lot of French people running marathons in 2022. But the winner, the highest increase in marathon quantity, marathoning quantity by nationality is the Netherlands. Wow. Almost four times more marathons run in 2022 than 2021. That's very interesting. It is very interesting. Now, we have to also remember that... A lot of these stats are based significantly off of what that country's COVID policies were in the previous year. Because in 2021, many countries still had severe restrictions on things. It also could be that they have more users in the Netherlands. Users on their app. Total? I on mean, their, on the Strava I guess app it's possible. This year. The population in the Netherlands is like super small, though. So it, That's what I'm saying. So well, if they could gather yes. more, more people using subscribers more, yeah, to yeah. Strava. Good point. Okay. Data impact could be high then. So, so good. Andy's keen. You should take a statistics class or te- I mean, sorry, teach a statistics class. All right. Um, so one of the other things that we found interesting is they were looking at a lot of data comparing people who did activities alone versus with groups, which that's that's compelling data to me because it's just representative of how behavioral trends might link to outcomes potentially. Mm. Um, and so what they found was, first of all, there were more people doing activities with other people than solo. Um, Although for running, only a little bit more. Do like they know the cycling this? Is like way more. Do they know this because people are tagging one another, or do they know this because you're like ran with so and so? Yes, and so that's key. Yep, because it's not always you didn't always deliberately do an activity with someone else. Because Strava's algorithm tries to identify if you oh, were it was like heat running. mapping, yes. like or no, like not she- heat mapping, but oh, yeah, not heat mapping, but like all of the people that are on the map it, yeah. t- running together, even if you're actually not running together, you're just running near one another. Therefore, races, especially long distance races, heavily skew this oh, data. Okay, because what they're going to do is they're going to say for for distance run. People ran together this much percent more than solo. Mm. Well, if you've got someone who runs a marathon, which is a significantly longer distance than most of their other runs, and then they maybe run a long run once a week or so with other people, suddenly that looks like they're running with other people by the distance quite a bit more where they're only doing it occasionally because, okay. the, you know, the longer. Okay, so that's one thing to remember there. But the point being is that for running, it was like 25% more 
distance run with someone than solo, which is pretty cool. Um, for biking, it was like 150%. So that that matters. Um, and it makes sense because group riding tends to be a more common phenomenon, but also group virtual riding is a significantly oh, more yeah. likely thing than running virtually. So you have that. Uh, there was there was a quote here, though, that which I just found really interesting. So go back to January 2022, and it said, um, according to Strava, in January, runners with grouped activities also recorded 78% more active time than their solo counterparts. Hmm. So their insinuation, this is running specifically now. They, they separated out. Biking was higher. It was like 87%. Wow. But running specifically, if people were doing things with others, they were more likely to do more in general. Okay. Which is really interesting. That is compelling. It is. It's also representative of the principle that we're often reflecting on, which is, you know, where do we find motivation and inspiration in the things we're doing? And for most of us, there's an added layer of motivation when there's a social uh, social component. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And uh, as mentioned, uh, the top travel destination for U.S. athletes was Canada. But then I looked at that further and there was like these three trails. They were highlighting a bunch and they're hiking trails. And so what they were doing is they were saying by time, by amount of time, people from the U.S. Oh. were spending more time in Canada than other countries. Still a great place. But then you look at it and this hiking trail is like 200 miles. And it's like, well, of course, just because they're hiking for two weeks. And <laughs> so I don't know how much that counts, but it was kind of cool to that see. That is cool. Yeah, the data. So we included a link to Strava's year in sport report. Uh, we covered all the most interesting things here. So, I mean, if you want to go back and read the rest <laughs> of it, you can. But the point is, is that at, at the very least, it's interesting to reflect on how our behaviors relate to outcomes. And if there's one big takeaway, it is that there is clearly value in doing things with other people. Hmm. So we'll think on that. Yeah. And as you're looking at the year wrapping up, think about the things that went well for you. Think about the things that made running in life difficult as it pertains to running. And these kinds of reflections can help us create better plans to eat the frogs we need to eat. <laughs> trying eat to, the frogs. Trying to bring that full circle into 2023. Also, think about the things that didn't go as well for you. And then think about how we can help them go better <laughs> next time. And we have three ways we can do that. One is just asking a question, and we'll cover it on the episode. So go to 80srunning.com slash question. However, if you need some more immediate and individual support, head to our coaching page and see if one of those services can help you out. We have full support coaching, which is an annual program available to anyone. But we also have custom training plans that are built seasonally. So if you just need something for the moment and you want a little more guidance, that could be a great option too. Well, we've loved connecting with you. I hope that you all have a safe and happy holiday. Thank you.